0: Time now for the Sunday Morning Hangover with Nick Curran and Phil Baker on your number one spot for sports in Louisville, ESPN 680 and 105.7.
1: street's finest he is coach mark lieberman i am jack grossman thanks for tuning in as always a part of the field of 68 podcast network like subscribe to all those things that i always forget to say at the start and the end of the podcast on youtube spotify apple Podcasts, whatever you're watching or listening to us on coach how you been my man
2: i've been uh i've been good doing uh Doing a bunch of things. Sorry, I have uh, I've missed your show and uh, missed doing this with you because uh, I really enjoy it. I know you've had some, you know, you, you haven't had any slouches filling in, so that's that's the good part. But uh, it's great to be back with you, Jack. Oh,
1: always, always pleasure is all mine to have you back on the podcast, Coach, with the uh, Houston Oilers penit behind you there. That's a new one. I, I think, uh, I, think yeah, I think you're back in the bullpen there at ESPN th-
2: Louisville, right? Yeah, this is I'm in the yes. bullpen. Uh, the fabulous one, Phil Baker's. They've got a lot of stuff through here. You've got Captain America, you've got uh a Papa Shot Joe Burrow. Yeah, you got quite a few things back there. I could probably give you a tour uh on the <laughs> next episode.
1: So. That'd be a fun one. I am I I I was at one point the uh the ESPN Louisville Papa Shot King, but I think I've been bested. Is since that then, right? yes, okay. I was, but I like that was uh that was another life. But anyways, coach, I made a phenomenal decision
2: on Wednesday. Talk to me. Talk to me.
1: I decided. I, of course, have since gone back and I watched the Louisville Notre Dame game Thursday morning. But I made the decision to boycott the Louisville game and the Indiana game. You know, the two teams I follow more than anyone. Of course. And I instead have a buddy that's a big Florida fan that I work with down here in Atlanta, who sent me a text on like Monday Tuesday saying, "Hey, tickets for the Alabama Florida game are ten bucks. You want to go?" And I'm like, really. Hmm. hell yeah absolutely so I was in right. Goldman Coliseum last night for a top 25 matchup reminiscing reminiscing. I can't say that word reminiscing, reminiscing? On, yes there we go that's how I talk um on what it used to be like to have a top 25 matchup in late February and it was a really fun game I mean went to overtime I thought you know Todd Golden probably should have fouled on the last possession that Alabama had when they were down one with only about a five and a half second differential between shot game clock that ended up kind of killing them. But two really good teams, high level offensive basketball, a lot of fun. And with the way the Louisville and I know no one else cares, but the Indiana games with us, say probably a good decision. <laughs> I, 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 think I, I think so. In that game instead, but anyway,
2: I'm going to interject a quick coaching yeah. comment. It's it, it's so important this time of the year that special situations are practiced in February that you are going over it ad nauseum, that your players understand, do you want to foul? Do you not want to foul? Do we have a foul to give on a sideline out of bounds? If we don't have a timeout where we want to, you know, where we want to go with the ball time and score, are we calling a timeout? So all that stuff that you mentioned, like with Ty Golden, not fouling, like those things are so important this time of the year for coaches to just go over and over and over against.
1: And that was a situation where they were coming out of a timeout after they had gotten the bucket to get back within one. So mm-hmm. it was very – I thought Florida executed what Todd Golden wanted them to do. Like they 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 had some token pressure in the backcourt, and then they kind of came up and tried to trap Sears and, and the ball handlers a couple times at half court to try to surprise them a little bit. But for right. me, I felt like – Alabama's the best offense statistically in college basketball. Maybe don't let the best offense in college basketball dictate how the game ends, <laughs> especially when, you know, they, they actually ended up getting a stop initially, but then they gave up an offensive rebound and a putback to mm-hmm. make it a three point game about five and a half seconds left at that point. It, you're asking for a lot to happen there instead of trying to extend the game, maybe get a missed free throw, take advantage of something yeah. like that. But, but uh, I don't know. Would you have fouled in that spot?
2: Um, it's, it, it's, it really is, um, I wouldn't say game to game, but there's philosophies about, you know, uh, if we're going to make our free throws in those situations. So, you know, I wasn't too familiar with, with, with the ending of that game. Um, but I will tell you that those type of things are just, are just so big this time of the year. That's just we're, we're talking about everything. You know, the end of games because you might not have a timeout. You you need to have a play. You don't want to go into a game either, Jack, like that you're drawing something up on the board that your guys haven't practiced. Like you want to instill them with confidence, and say, look, we've run this in practice over and over again. You guys get it. We understand. Or this is what we're gonna do to get to the free throw line. And then a lot of teams don't prepare. Like if you need to miss a free throw, um, one thing I always had our players do is hold up their left hand or their right hand and we'd know we'd miss to the left or the right and be able to pin down one guy and have another guy curl around. So just a bunch of little things that you want to do to make sure your guys are prepared for any situation.
1: Where, where did you land on is, I just don't think I've ever asked you this before and and we're already here. So might as well, where'd you, where you stand on fouling up three, late?
2: Yeah. Um, in college basketball. Uh, I, I just think that you need to, you need to do it. And, um, but that's something, again, I don't want to do it too early. You know, you don't want to do it. All of a sudden you're up three with, 12 seconds to go. You don't want to foul at nine. You want to make sure what I like to do is is go into a soft 2-2-1, two, two, but we're matched up off it. Let them bring the ball over. As soon as they cross half court, you know, we get an extra two or three seconds. So now we're fouling with about four or five seconds to go. I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah, because you don't want to foul too early there because then, you know, you're – Right. You're
1: doing the other team's job for them. You're extending the game for no reason. Exactly right.
2: And I'm surprised how many coaches don't extend games Um, because knocking down free throws, you know, it's it's a huge part of it. Even if guys are great free throw shooters, it's a little different. So I'm always a big believer in extending the games, especially you know, when you're down.
1: Oh, for sure. Well, anyways, all right. We, we've delayed it long enough. <laughs> we we got to get into it. Louisville, Notre Dame on Wednesday night. And what's become, you know, they had the Georgia Tech game that they won – on I'm um, uh, Florida state before that one, two out of three, almost one series. It looked like, I don't want to say turn to corner because they had kind of survived the the brunt of the ACC schedule, but it looked like, you know, playing the bottom half of the ACC and what's a bad league this year, especially near the bottom and, and the middle of it, that it was okay. Maybe they'll at least compete mm-hmm. in some of these games for whatever the heck that's worth. I don't, I, I, kind of made the argument with Jeff Greer last week that I didn't think it was worth too much, but it's still better than what's happened in the Boston college second half and, uh, and what happened against uh, Pittsburgh, obviously. And then Notre Dame last night, the biggest thing for me is just kind of what's happened to Louisville's offense. I mean, this is a game where, where, you know, Notre Dame's better defensively than offensively, but Sky Clark and Brandon Huntley Hatfield had 34 points in this one 14 to 24 shooting 54 percent everyone else other than those two dudes were five at 32 from the floor less than 16 percent from the field it took until the eight forty-two mark in the second half for someone other than clark huntley hatfield or trey white to have a field goal mm-hmm. how, how does that happen and 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 it, I mean, not well, that Louisville's in spectacular offensively, but they have been better on that end up until this mm-hmm. last stretch.
2: I think there's two things. I think number one is that the way Notre Dame was playing, it wasn't conducive for what Louisville likes to do as far as um, just back you down, yep. power up around the basket. They were playing off players. They were making them shoot mid-range shots. They weren't – they were staying down on pump fakes. They weren't letting Mike James get a spot he likes, so he was ending up shooting – you know, contested jump shots rather than getting to the rim and using his shoulder and his strength to get fouled. So Nerdame's Dame's plan as far as how to defend everybody, including trapping uh, the bigs, and not just the bigs, Mike James, really trapping anybody who got the ball in the, in the low post or in the short corner. So, you know, that was one method of, of, of as far as that goes. And then you have guys like Sky Clark is, you know, you, you had some synergy going with his team. Tyler, the same thing. But when you miss practice, and uh, Coach Payne talked about that, those guys hadn't been practicing. You know, they just played, didn't have any live contact. Now you're you're out of rhythm again because guys have synergy and they're comfortable. And when you miss a game or two or a couple practices, yes, it could affect the symmetry of your team.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I thought, to piggyback off that, Notre Dame did a phenomenal job with that post-trap, especially, you know, a lot of times they were trapping off of – Whoever Caleb Glenn's man was a guy that, you know, gives a lot of effort, has been a good rebounder for Louisville of late, but isn't exactly the offensive threat yet. Yeah, they they
2: were going with they were going with, you know, traditional four man coming that that was kind of like their idea of it. And and like you mentioned, you know, uh, uh, a, a Trey White, if he gets the ball, he can create his own shot. Caleb Glenn can't. So, yeah, there was a method to it. Most teams, Virginia will always send their bigs over, you know, and it's always the five and the 4 who we're trapping or whatnot in this type of situation. They did a great job of zoning out. Yes, and that was the next thing know, I was going to say. Uh, yeah, they take, a, taking away yeah. ball side and really plugging that middle and forcing a skip pass, which is what you really want to do. And we saw where Okorafor struggled, you know, the one time he was trapped. And, you know, that's something that, you know, you you, you constantly work on. But, you know, if you're not sure teams are going to do it and you don't really prep for it. You know, it's tough, and guys were just not moving the way that you need to. Someone's got to dive. Someone's got to replace. You want to try and overload that side on the trap.
1: Yeah, and and they also did a good job of cutting off Louisville's drives because that's really been Mm -hmm. – that's how how Louisville gets their points, post-subs, driving with the dribble, and getting to the free-throw line. Louisville got to the free-throw line 16 times, but they had uncharacteristically bad Mm – shooting tight from the stripe they missed half of them but when when you're not getting you know the points from the from the free throw line you only had 22 points in the paint because you're not being able to you know dribble drive as as effectively as you normally are Mm -hmm. and you're getting post doubled all the time and you're not hitting jump shots on on the back end of it because one notre dame's been uh, as you said did a really good job rotating out of those traps, and two louisville just hasn't been able to hit the broad side of the barn in the month of february from behind the arc or that you know leads up to a lot of things that aren't going your way, to where you're trying to figure out how to get some points on the board because we know Louisville's defense has been particularly awful. And we'll get to that, but but on the offensive end, that's kind of where Louisville has to carry itself right now. And the last two games, they they just haven't looked the same on the offensive end that they were looking at in, in mid January, and even a couple games they had at into February.
2: Well, Notre Dame did number one. They did a really good job of limiting them to one shot. I thought Louisville at times needs to send everybody to the boards. They're as bad as they are transitionally defensively. I mean, it doesn't hurt send everybody, send all five yeah. guys if you need to get an offensive rebound. And the way Notre Dame was playing, um, you know, I'm big on half an arm's distance or tracing the face and really crowding guys with gap integrity. Notre Dame was just saying, okay, just make some mid range shots that are that are somewhat contested. Go for it. You know, but you're not getting in the paint. You saw the guys, like you said, sloughing off, really packing in, forcing the kickouts, and they would close out and contest. But it was almost like, okay, you're not getting, you know, you're not scoring in the paint. You're going to have to score mid range shots. You know, Huntley Hatfield did a nice job um, early. But then again, you know, um, and and that's another thing. I thought they should have done more um, high, low action where Huntley Hatfield's in the middle of the floor or rolling down the middle because that's a tough area to trap from. And that leaves one-on-one coverage. So roll-and-replace actions would have been nice as far as against a team like Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, some middle post-ups would have been nice also. That's something that Louisville doesn't really mm-hmm. do. You look at, obviously, it's probably unfair to compare them to uh, to Zach Eady and Purdue, but one of the things that Purdue does so well... Just a,
2: just a tad. Just yeah, a yeah,
1: tad. yeah, just a tad, but better than literally anyone in the country, is that they're able to get Zach Eady in position where you know he sets a ball screen, he'll set a cross screen, something like that, but they'll have the floor spread... And mm-hmm. post him up right in the middle of the paint to where you really can't double him in that spot right. because you know the four so space and there's not anyone there. Louisville almost always is posting Huntley Hatfield on, on one of the blocks, and that's a much easier place to double than it is when you post him in, in the middle, like like you know, a Purdue just to name one team is able to do so much, or again, yeah, but that's Hun-
2: that's all connected. So, yeah, if you're not working on the timing of understanding the angles to come off in a slot off that type of ball screen or the duck where Edie's getting across screen knows to keep both feet in the paint. There's times where Hatfield will can, you know won't stop in the lane and, and will will extend out to the first marker or to off the off the lane where Edie's taught I'm staying, I'm getting both feet in the paint. And when I roll, you know, I'm hard rolling, but I know where to stop. I know where to be. And his players do a great job of initiating and beating their man off of a ball screen, ball reversals, some false action to get him in that spot. Creighton's really good at it as well. So. Yeah. You know, that's something as far as understanding, okay, these are the sweet spots. This is where you want to get to. And, you know, that's something that you got to teach because a lot of players will continue to drift. And that two or three inches makes a huge difference. They'll drift as they come off a flex cut or any type of action. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, they're a foot outside the lane. And, and it just, it's a huge difference than having both feet in the paint.
1: The, the other thing, look, for Louisville on the offensive end, and this kind of goes to like a lack of awareness, I think might be the right word for it, because you know, H- Huntley Hatfield and Clark were the two dudes that you had going all game. Huntley Hatfield didn't score after the 11 25 mark of the second half, and Sky Clark didn't attempt a shot the last nine minutes, 10 seconds of the game. When those were the two dudes that you got rolling, I, I-, I guess I'm using that term pretty liberally because they-, they didn't drop like 25 or anything, but those that was your offense, those two dudes. How do you not try to run some more stuff to get them, especially Sky Clark, who only missed one damn field goal the entire game, which is impressive. I mean, he took eight of them. But but uh, why did Louisville go away from what they were doing? Or, or rather, why did they let Notre Dame take that
2: away so easily? That's a common thing with teams when you get down and they're down double digits, and all yeah. of a sudden, you're just not going to be as patient because you're trying to get you, – it's, it's a mindset for all basketball teams. You're trying to get a nine-point play or a 10-point play, and you're thinking, okay, I come down and shoot a quick three or drive quickly because I want to cut into that lead. So instead of running the stuff that you're patient with, that you've actually been successful with, you're rushed and you're impatient. And as a coach, you're kind of helpless because guys are coming down and you don't want to stop it every single time, but they're not getting the ball to the guys who are making plays. And that's that's normal of teams who are down, especially in the situation that Louisville was.
1: Yeah, and especially, you know, you look at – to me, the key stretch of this game was the under eight timeout. Yeah. You know, I, I forget who it was, mm-hmm. Notre Dame or Louisville. Someone called, you know, the first timeout of the second half, always media timeout. Mm-hmm. And then they play for, a, for like, you know, 15, 20 seconds, whatever it was. Then they have another dead ball for the under eight timeout. So you have, you know, four and a half, five minutes roughly to instruct your team and, and, and get them on the right page. Out of that under eight timeout, they leave Shrewsbury open off a of baseline out of bounds. For, for a wide open three. Right. Then Shrewsbury hits another three in transition. That sparks a 16-2 run from the under eight to the under four timeout that completely took the game out of reach. Louisville was only down eight at that point. Not that I'm saying that I was guaranteeing they were going to win or anything, but you're very much like in the ball game, And to have that lack of awareness on the defensive end, two possessions in a row, give up two really easy open three-pointers to so a dude that was scorching all night from behind the arc, that, to me, is a lack of awareness, lack of focus, lack of executing a gameplay. No matter how you want to put it, you can't let that happen. That wasn't the only time either. Louisville gave up two wide-open threes off a of baseline out-of-bounce plays. That's absolutely inexcusable in a game that, you know, you're trying to win, and we're even favored to win in this game. Louisville's favored by three and a half points. I mean, Notre Dame's not a great basketball team. Micah Shrewsbury, you know, getting into to play with effort, especially on the defensive end, and they're trying to lay a foundation. But they, they, they came to the – into this game, ten and sixteen, and you got worked both in every facet of the game. But to me, that that just stood out. Like, okay, you had that much time to prepare your team for that baseline out of bounds, and you give up a wide open three, and then you give up another wide open three the next possession. That's just that's not good. <laughs> it's just I know that there's not really a better way of putting it. It's just that's that's not a sign of a program that's getting better to me when you when you give up stuff like that.
2: No, um, but that was not something that was unique to the end of the game. That was, you know, the the first three threes by Notre Dame, um, there was no ball pressure. Um, One of those was a um, miscommunication where two guys ran towards the ball and they made one more pass to Shrewsbury. And so it wasn't something that was, in. uh, okay, all of a sudden we've had a lapse. It was a continual thing throughout that they just, they struggle to identify what teams are trying to do what they want to do. Are we switching? Are we hedging? Are we are we staying connected? Are we not letting them out? Those are things that they've been struggling with through throughout the season. So um yeah, Jack, I don't I don't have an answer as far as that goes, as far as you know, why they're not connected, why they're not understanding that, why they don't have a sense of urgency, why don't they have a disposition? I, I can't answer that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have it charted right here. Notre Dame's first five threes. I mean, their first eight points of the game where Shrewsbury step in three off of a bad rotation Uh by pump fake Shrewsbury open three off a curl with the miscommunication that you talk about. Then sky Clark fouls a shooter on a three. Yes. Konecki hits a three Mm -hmm. off uh, off of the baseline out of bounds. The other one to go up seven, midway through the first half a drive and kick to a wide-open carry boot for, for a three, all part of a 15-2 to two run for Notre Dame. The last right. one being the pick-and-pop where, you know, they pass to the quarter, both guys rotate over, they throw it back to Shrewsbury. I mean, Notre Dame came into this game. They're not a good three-point shooting team. Contrary to popular belief, if you only watch Notre Dame on Wednesday night, Notre Dame mm-hmm. came into this game 29.8% from three on the season. That's 328th in college basketball and last in the ACC. They were the worst offensively efficient team the least offensively efficient team in the acc coming into this game and louisville put up a very little resistance to that to me just the three-point line has been the story for louisville here in the month of february
2: just in in the last, and as you're going on that's what i was doing i was looking at like uh you know things i had written down which are all things that you're talking about so please continue
1: in, in the last three games, Louisville is 10 of 25 or 10 of 45 from three offensively, 22%. And their opponents, Boston College, Pittsburgh, and Notre Dame, during this three game losing streak, 44%. In the mm-hmm. month of February, Louisville is shooting 28.6% from three, 310th in the country. And they're allowing opponents to shoot 41% from three. That's 334th. So to me, it's pretty simple. I mean, we can, you know, break down, chart every individual play we want, but they, they look at the big picture, Louisville has stopped hitting threes because they had that stretch in the middle of Jade where they were hitting some shots. And on the other end, they're still not defending the three. We've talked about it all year long. Even, you know, I remember way back with the Texas and the Indiana games. It was, well, you know, those aren't good three point shooting numbers. I, I think Indiana was one of 11 in that game. Texas, was like three of 20 or something. But just look at the amount of wide open threes that the opponents are missing. That's something that's not going to yeah. continue. And, and that's, and, and, and that's, you know, that, that metronome flips back the other way where Notre Dame's a really bad three point shooting team. But if you give them 15, 20 open looks, they're going to hit 12 of
2: them. But it's not, you know, it's, it's not that they're a bad three point defense. It's that they're, you have to look at the macro there and, the, the blow-bys that are allowed, the overhelp on drifts, the miscommunication as far as who's going to scramble and rotate and command the ball and so on. So the open threes are coming off of so many other mistakes defensively from a paint touch to, you know, the blow-bys to add a position to are we denying, are we over-helping, are we not helping? So all those things are byproducts of the fact that these now they're making the extra pass and here comes an open shot and that's why they're Three point defense is so egregious.
1: Right. I feel like, you know, there's a misconception about that to where people say, oh, you just got to, you know, make sure you're on the perimeter guarding like the three point line. Like I picture, you know, a guy, guy at the top of the key, two guys on the wings, two guys on the corners, just, right. just standing there trying to take away a three point shot. No, so, so much, so often it comes off of other action. I mean, mm-hmm. I would throw pick and roll defense in there as well as a, as a way teams get open threes well, against
2: Yeah. That's, that's when they do tag the role. You know, they're, they're, you know, you have to, it's all connected. The guy who, and they've soft doubled so much. So whether you want to scramble and keep that guy high and send them out, fine. If you're going to just say, you know what, bust your ass back down, recover. I'm going to hold for half a second, have high hands on that ball screen. So it buys me half a second to, to recover back to the lift man. So he doesn't have a, an open three. Yeah. But those are things that you have to do. And Louisville's not doing those things.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, that's how you end up being, what 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 are they now? Eight eight and 18? <laughs> On the season, it's it's rough. Uh, eight, so, and, eight and 19. Eight and
2: 19,
1: there we go. I was, Three I was and even 13 in them. conference,
2: yeah. yeah. yeah dead, that's, dead the in your, in, that's the yeah. optimist <laughs> in you. That's the optimist in you. Jack.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, you look at it now, there's four games left in the season. You get a week off, and who do you get after the week off? You go to Cameron Indoor to play Duke. That's not exactly the easiest game to have after after what's happened the last last week. No, or so, and it's
2: it's not fun. You know, you go to practice and you, you know you're you're three and thirteen in conference and you you know those type of things. Yeah, it's it's not fun to get in every day and, and you know to get guys to compete and grind when you've gone through you know a losing streak. I mean, I've I've seen that. I've been a part of that. You know, and that's that's a, that's a hard thing to get these guys to just understand little things when you're. A week out, and you've had, you know, you, you've had the what
3: you've gone through, and to get them to just keep going and grind, yeah, it's not easy. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March. Madness. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, you can use the bonus code FIELD150 and you will get $150 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's the best part. All you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your hard-earned money. This is how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost in my personal favor a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the bet mgm app and sign up today big news guys i am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with autograph a company founded by the goat himself tom brady the autograph fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content fan contests and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one when tom and yes i am calling him tom we're on a first name basis these days co-founded autograph he had one mission in mind change the fan experience for the better it works like this. You get all of your College Hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot, the Autograph fandom Map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like after that, though, I mean, we everyone kept looking at those last three home games at the end of the year. Right, Boston um, College, Syracuse, and and uh who's the third one? I'm. They I'm got not.
2: Syracuse, yeah. Virginia, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Tech. And That's Boston College. Yeah,
1: yeah. The, where it's like,
2: look, I, I'm not gonna, I'm it, not gonna. Does it matter? I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna play. Um, you know, I don't want to play that game. But everybody was talking about. Well, they're gonna get healthy when they have to. Paul, Arkansas State, and Pepperdine. Yeah, you know, they go one and two. So, you know, you just don't know. You know, after the Duke game. Um, a guy like Sky Clark because of his rib injury and some other things, you don't know, hey, my, my body's not right. You, you just never know what's yeah. going to happen with some of these guys.
1: And, and give to credit Sky Clark. I feel like it is worth saying. The dude played with oh, a sure. broken rib on Wednesday night and was probably Louisville's best player. I mean, you know, shot the ball out from the field was even Louisville's re- leading rebounder as, as you know, a guard with eight eight boards in that game. So you, right. you, you got to give him credit there for just finding yeah, his tail off yeah, and he competed, in yeah.
2: He competed, made some shots. Of course, I'm going to just, in the coach and me, you know, there's lapses. You know, he wouldn't pressure the basketball. Yep. <laughs> he, 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 was, he was lost on certain actions. But he's also trying to protect himself. You know, is that an excuse? I, I'm not making excuses for him. But, you know, um, he was able to score the ball, which is a credit to him, especially playing with a broken rib, which is, I'm sure we couldn't do a podcast with a broken no. rib. So, <laughs> you know, kudos to him.
1: Very low chance. But it's the point being, like, at this point, I, I just don't think it matters. Like even if they were to win those last three games, which at, what what we've seen the last couple weeks or so, they probably won't win all three of those games at home. Um, matters so as far as like a w- year w- three w- or, okay. or trying to move on stuff like that. Like like would it does it make any difference if they're eight and twenty three or ten and twenty one? No. To me,
2: like, yeah, I mean, at this point with, you know, with those games that are left, um, you know, it's it's really not um going to all of a sudden, you know, change. You're not going to see uh, an, an absolute 180 in, in how yeah. they do things and how they guard in four games. Just not the sample sizes kind of. We've seen it. We know who they are.
1: Yeah, that, that was one of the things like I was listening just uh, on, on the drive back from Tuscaloosa on Wednesday night, you know, I was listening a little bit to, uh you know, our guy Ethan Moore on the post game show. And it, it's crazy to me. Like, I've always said this about both Louisville and Kentucky fans. Like I remember I was producing back for, um for uh, ESPN Louisville, a lot of the UK post game shows the year they went nine and 16, how it's impressive how mad those two fan bases can stay at their teams when they know the season is already a lost cause. <laughs> but for me, there were people called in and, and and saying, this is the last straw. This is the one where you got to fire Kenny after this. I'm like, why Why is it the random game in February against Notre Dame that's the last straw? I mean, I mm-hmm. just don't see how it's – it's been the same stuff we've been seeing for two years. And it's a tough thing for us to talk about at this point But because as yeah, it feels and- like just a foregone conclusion, but – I mean, Kenny comes out and says the quote saying, you know, he doesn't feel like his job's in danger. And, like, he doesn't seem to have the sense of urgency, which I guess, to be fair, like, what else is he supposed to say in that spot when you're being asked that question? But it's just a weird, weird dynamic at this point to where it's like people trying to use every game win or loss as a referendum on the job. I'm like, guys, you have the track record. It's 12 and 45. Not every game is going to be this seismic change one way or the other if they win or lose, especially you know those three home games at forty-seven. At the the year, not,
2: yeah. not, not trying to pick on Coach Payne.
1: Twelve and forty-seven. 40. Yes, <laughs> you got to keep up. Upda- I got to keep updating in my head every after every game. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's where that's where they're at at this point. But, but I just at this point, if you're Josh Hurd. You're you're kind of letting the string play out. You're not. I mean, you haven't fired him to this point. So they're not going. I, I, I'm pretty confident in the fact that they're not going to make a midseason change at this stage with, you know, four games left in the regular season. But, mm-hmm. but I mean, just, I, I don't even know where I'm going with this, to be honest. Just, it's just a yeah, referendum well, on,
2: yeah, on the, yeah, these last four games are not going to all of a sudden be an elixir and all of a sudden everything has changed in, in his favor. It's, you know, it, it, it it's, it's evident that you know coach Payne is is it's been a struggle for him and uh you know i'm sure coach uh you know excuse me josh Hurd's you know doing his due diligence and and uh yeah it's unfortunate because this fan base um deserves you know a team that just is competing for not just the ncaa tournament but for national championships and so you know it's uh and you mentioned it, you know, about um listening to Ethan Moore and, and you know, I'm doing radio shows here still on on ninety-three point nine and six eighty in Louisville and and you know, it's apathy. There's the callers are just it's not like the phones are lit up and everybody wants to to vent. It's kind of like, okay, um, this is what it is and we want improvement now. And yeah. So I think they just gotta realize, you know, it's um something will probably happen right after the season.
1: Yeah, that, and that's the worst place to be was when you get that apathy because, you know, you're used to everyone being mm-hmm. really, really angry. And I, I thought you got a good amount of that after the Notre Dame game. Things kind of flared up a bit. But, I mean, Pittsburgh, you didn't really see too much of that. Same with Boston It, it
2: flared here. up with Notre yeah. Dame, but, again, not to the point where, uh, you know, you had some, yeah. and, and I heard some callers on Ethan's show as well. But, again, it's not like the numbers that were – Um, even speaking to Spencer Brown, like he, you know, the numbers had dwindled as far as the calls and all those type of things. Now, Kentucky, yeah, they're a little (laughs) different story.
1: That was, that was one of the crazier endings on Wednesday night, that Kentucky game. That's all I saw was
2: the, was the ending. That's all I saw. That's pretty much
1: all I saw too, which, um, that was, that was a great one down in Baton Rouge. Did you catch any of the uconn Creighton game on Tuesday? Uh,
2: I, I didn't. Um, this is, uh, been, been, way too busy with certain things. And that's the night that I had my daughter with me and we played some pickleball and nice. I ended up watching, uh, we ended up watching the kids baking championship on max. So I <laughs> recommend that to everybody. Um, but for me, that's probably one of the first Connecticut games I've missed. Um, you know, their associate head coach Kamani young is one of my best friends. So, nice. um, uh, you know, we talk all the time. We work together at FIU. Um, but, you know, I, I still think they're the cream of the crop. Yeah. So for me, you know, if you were going to say, okay, you know, you have to decide right now, I'd say UConn's going to win it.
1: First of all, what what was the um what was the best baking dish that was made?
2: Well, there's so many, so they they challenges. Let me tell you something, Jack. Here's the thing: it's a it's a show for kids. You got Valerie Bertinelli and a guy named Duffy Goldman, but they send a kid home every week, and the kids like in the kitchen crying sometimes because he can't get. Uh, you know the cake to bake or, right. or whatever, and then when they send the kid home, the kid's you know crying and everything. And to me, it's very emotional. I, I just I don't know. It's not it's not for the faint of heart. I'll tell you that much.
1: <laughs> that's fair. That, that that's very fair. On, on you kind of like I, I'm not too worried about them. I mean, like Craig just had one of those games. Like at one point they hit. 19 good. Out, yeah, they good. Yeah, they They had They're hit 19 really out of 26 field yeah. goals at one point. I exactly. mean, Ashcraft had the game of his life. I've, he gives them a little bit of a different dimension when he's able to score like that because they've really been uh-huh. missing that ever since Nemhard transferred yeah. out to Gonzaga just that guy yeah. that can beat you off the dribble and create his own shot exactly and, and when and when he's able to do that that makes them a much 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 more difficult team to defend I mean like you gotta be like they absolutely blasted Marquette last weekend they're fine they're great they they're, they're a lot of fun to watch they're watch on the road
2: during conference you know you're everybody's Kansas City Chiefs right now so that's the way it goes that's college basketball you know the year, my last year here, when we went to the final four, we lost our last home game on senior night to South Florida, you know? And, yep. you know, so like those things, it, it's just, uh, there's, there's hiccups along the way, you know? Um, but Connecticut's just fine.
1: What was the, um? you uh, I know there, there was the South Florida loss. That was like 59 to 52. I think it was then the next game you guys lost at Syracuse. Then mm-hmm. the regular season where, you, where I think right. you only scored like, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys broke 50 on that one. What? What was the change between that and the Big East tournament where you guys ripped off, you know, 10 in a row, win the Big East, and then go to the Final Four? Uh,
2: you know, looking back on it, I mean, you know, attention to details, too. I mean, Richard Pitino, um, you know, uh, was just a, a, a huge factor in understanding, you know, just because he has the last name. And I don't know if you caught, I stayed up and watched New Mexico and Colorado State last night. But just because his last name's is Patino, the, the guy's a worker. The guy really puts time in. We would really look at ways to attack. He learned that from Billy Donovan, too, is that, you know, a lot of times in scouting, Jack, is that everybody's looking for what teams run. We want to take this away. We want to track this or do that. When Billy Donovan was really big on, okay, how are we attacking them? And what's the best way to score against them? So we spent a lot of time moving forward on ways to, 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 to improve our offense, by looking at the weaknesses of the teams we were playing.
1: Yeah, I feel that. And and on the defensive end, that that defense was always going to keep easy. Uh, we'll leave,
2: leave that to, to, to Rick. Yeah, we'll just we'll be fine there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I figured figure that that was probably that that week or so stretch before the Big East tournament started. It was probably, a doozy. Probably not the best of times to be yes. around the program. But man, that what a heck of a run that was, especially you know, that Florida game against Billy Donovan. Where where well I will ask this, I know we gotta get out of here, but I'll always remember Peyton Siva fouls out when when you guys are making the run run in those last eight minutes. He fouls out going into the under-four timeout, and Rick goes over to the bench and he just puts his hands on his head. (laughs) Like if you're watching it like this, and I'm like, oh man, I can only imagine what he's gonna say the next two, three minutes in that huddle. But they were but I mean Russ Smith came in, plays the point the rest of the game. They forced a couple turnovers. Shane Behannon was was huge at,
2: down mm-hmm. that stretch. This is a lot more makes fun that for like, me than, 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 yeah. than the current it Makes team. that makes that, time, that yeah. incredible like uh turnaround jump shot that like you know was like no no no, yes, you know, one of those. And yeah. Gorgie, Gorgie, had a huge stun. I think it was might have been Kenny Boykin. Um uh, coming down the lane, but he swore, or even Bradley Beal, but he swipes and stunts and and causes a, a loose ball and, and and I think Russ came up with that one. So you know, just little things we did defensively and just uh, yeah, we were really attacking and it was just that game was a blast. But you know, um, yeah, uh, uh, trust me, there's a bunch of things that that I, I my memoir, or my book on the Rick Pitino-isms can come out and would be enjoyable. For sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll leave it at this. I remember that game as being the only game during like the Peyton Russ Smith era that I can remember where a team actually was able to shoot you guys out of the out of the matchup zone, which Florida did in that first half. And I I don't think they hit a three in the second half or maybe it was like one or one or two of like 12 or something like that. Well, well, there's
2: your perfect example, because that's what Billy looked at ways to attack that that matchup. And they did a really good job of overloads and running some shallow cuts and getting guys open and then when we switched to man it was a little different but like that was what he did very well
1: yeah which always always uh, uh, still weird to say that that was 12 years ago already um but yes. but i mean that was one of the epic runs obviously in, in Louisville Basketball history. That's all we got for today, Coach. Really, always appreciate the time. We'll get going again next week for Coach Lieberman. I'm Jack Grossman. This has been Floyd finest. Again, catch us on you know, Field 68 Podcast Network, Twitter, YouTube, um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. Also, I believe, Coach, we're uh, we're airing this on the Sunday Morning Hangover right now, or, or, or oh. on Sunday this week as well on ESPN 68. Right. Well, no, Phil, Phil's, Phil's got the new kiddo. Uh yeah. Nick, I think you're traveling the women's team. So we're gonna be uh on 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 the old AM stick this this, this Sunday as well, right. as well. There so so appreciate you guys for letting us do that. And coach, again always appreciate the time. We'll catch you next week here on Fort Treats Finest.
0: Welcome back to the Sunday morning hangover on your sports leader, ESPN 680
4: and 105.7. Now, here's Nick Curran and Phil Baker. Eric Crawford going to join us right now and I'm very pleased to, to be with him and I thanked him yesterday privately but I'll do it again because we thought we were going to put, have him on yesterday and then we kept delaying it and then we got guests and then things came up and he was nice enough to, to not raise a hissy fit so I apologize to you but thank you for coming on today number one and number two you wrote a great piece if people haven't seen it then go to X or Twitter however you want to refer to it and read it there um, but also you said in there and the the theme of the, the 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 um, article is that it's a business decision now and I, I couldn't agree with you more but then having said that somebody put in the comments to you that they save a million dollars if they make a coaching change after March 31st as opposed to right after the ACC tournament I was under the impression actually it was two million dollars but then you said that's not even an issue I, with all the money they've been spending over the last few years two million dollars is not an issue for them tell me what you meant by that
5: Well, I think that they are, you know, they're not dipping into into the bank to get the money to buy out Kenny Payne. Um, If that's the way they decide to go, uh, you know that that's that's donor stuff, and there are you know there are people who will pay for that to happen. (laughs) So I I don't think that that is necessarily the worry at this point. The business is how do you sell. You know, a third season. It's not so much, you know, how much is it going to cost to get rid of them and hire the next guy because they're going to have to go out and raise that money, but this is a motivated fan base. There's a lot of people in the community that that feel it's important, so I don't honestly, I think any coach they decide they can get that wants to come here, if he's very expensive, I think they can get the money and make that work.
4: Well, I I've, I've been. That,
5: I mean, Louisville basketball is, is is still Louisville basketball. It's not what it was, but I don't think they're trying to, you know, cut corners or anything like that on on getting out of a buyout. And that, you know, it's maybe they are. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I. It's not for just a couple million dollars here or there that they're, you know, that they're arranging events or, or whatever.
4: Well, well, let me ask you this and see if you buy the first premise and then ask you how it relates to the second. I tend to agree with you. They, they've got to get a, 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 a somebody in who's going to excite the fan base. And you know, and if that means they've got to pay some significant money to do it, they've got to find a way to do it because whatever they're losing is going to be probably more than whatever it would cost to bring this person in. Probably, but having said that, the guy that is highest on my list right now For the most part, because I think not only do I love them to pieces, but I think you got a real. Realistic chance to get him. Like I think Scott Drew is very good, but I, I mean he's won a national championship there and they got a new. Oh, arena. Yeah, you can get him I don't then. I don't but it's, I don't it's, think it's, you right. can get him. But like Nate Oates, I think you could get Alabama's never even been to a Final Four as an institution. They're building, while it's big, I mean, is nothing compared to the Yum Center. he know he came here, I guess they played in a regional here or something. But he knows the area, he knows the fan base. I would I I think but I think he's got like a ten million dollar buyout. Would they be willing to do that, do you think? Could they come up with the money to buy him out, buy Kenny? out and then pay a new coach a salary would they do that
5: it depends on who the coach is like i don't know i don't know i don't know if there's money in this community that loves Nate Oates to the point that they would pay um but there are people that might and i'm not sure so it's just got to be paired you know that, that think it would be great um
4: do you, you think know, they would for like yeah, Scott Drew, Bruce
5: Pearl, in the same situation? I mean, he's at Auburn; he's been to a foul Four, but you know, is he going to win a championship there? Is, you know, is I don't know. I mean, that's the same thing. If they, you know, if they, and there are community people here that, you know, if they if they like him and they want him, uh, that the money, the money can be there. But it's a lot of money, and it's the same way for anybody. Same for Mick Cronin; he's got a big big buyout at UCLA, so. They're going to have to spend a lot of money no matter who it is. And, you know, it may be a situation. I mean, you and I are on the same page as far as, you know, who the, who the big people are that would really turn this thing immediately. But if those people are unobtainable, then you're back to, you know, you just got to get the best basketball coach and the best fit. And, uh, and, and uh, so, I, you know, it, 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 is a, it is a big job. Uh, not not one I would I would relish having, but uh, I do think you know you mentioned Scott Drew. Obviously, I, I think those are phone calls that that Josh has to make. Oh,
6: you, you got to
4: make them anyway. I agree with that. I agree. I mean, he, I, you know, I would. It'd be like an all-star team of people I'd want to talk to. I'd want to. You know,
5: Mark Few was here a couple yeah, of weeks ago, yep. and I'm thinking, well, you know, call him. worth a phone call. Yeah, know, I, would, I mean I Gonzaga seriously. He's had great success there as much success there as you can have anywhere but Gonzaga is not all of a sudden financially in the ballpark with being able to get players maybe like I want to do it where I can get players well you can get players here Uh, you know that could be done here so that's a sales pitch
4: No, I I agree. I mean, it's the usual cast of suspects in terms of where you rank them. It would be Few, it would be uh, Bruce Pearl, it would be I think Nate Oates would be on that list. I think certainly Scott Drew, you'd have to make him say no. I think I would you know, put Greg McDermott on at at Creighton. I think he does a wonderful job. I
5: think that there's been some interest here in Greg McDermott. I think that there's, you know, uh, there's nobody that, you know, all these guys are great coaches and um,
4: and they're proven. And, you know, and no disrespect to Kenny, but that's the they certainly can't afford to do that again. They can't afford to get somebody who doesn't have a track record.
5: You can't gamble. Um, you know, somebody asked me about this Ben McCollum at Northwest Missouri State, who is a great Division II coach and probably in line to get a big D1 job this year. But I just don't know if Louisville – you know, I, you might have been able to make that – you should take that leap a couple of years ago. I don't think you can now. But I think there's too much – from a financial standpoint riding on it.
4: Yep, I agree.
5: But the guy has won four the last seven... Division two national championships,
4: so he does have a little bit of something, you know. Hey, I, he I, know. I, mean, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I coached at Division three. I coached at Division two. Some of the best coaches, period, and I coached at Division one. Some of the best coaches, period, that I ever coached against were at the non-division one level. So these guys can coach. I just think you're exactly right. When it becomes a business deal, you need that guy to follow the path like Brewston, which was, you know, Southern Indiana, Milwaukee. Yeah. Then, you know, there has to be the kind of interim steps. I think, but that's just. My opinion, yeah, because yeah, and,
0: and you know,
5: it, it's not the same as it was either. Because I mean, you always had to be over recruit, but you need somebody. You got to have somebody you know can, you know, can navigate his way through a transfer portal, you know. Yep. And, uh, and in addition to getting good freshmen, but it's this next coach is is also you know you don't have a biggest leash here at Louisville, and <laughs> they're going to have to get some transfers, and it's you know they're going to have to to get
4: their guys quick you know i i asked i I gathered you were listening but i maybe weren't i asked him as tactfully as i could kenny about does he think about next year and you know does he think all that and and i as i said i i couched the question with as much marshmallow around it as i could because i wasn't trying to be mike wallace but i thought you know it's the question it's the only thing anybody keeps asking so you had to ask him but but having said that um, you know what what do you think he's he's he 's on one hand he 's a wonderfully open book, and on the other hand he 's sometimes hard to figure i mean he seems very comfortable in his own skin he 's obviously a man of great faith and he's he 's comfortable with what he believes and I respect that and I admire that but i don 't know how you could possibly be functioning and not be aware of the fact that you know it is, the perception is your your job is hanging by a thread here, and he doesn 't And because of that, you wonder, have they stopped recruiting? Are they not recruiting with the thought that they're not going to be back or until they know what's going on or they're just placing all of their faith and trust in the portal? Because he did say that. He said, I don't, you know, I can't look at high school freshmen and think they're going to come in here and start over the the guys who are here. Is that really what it is? And What what do you make of that part of the whole equation?
5: Well, you know, they're still recruiting. Um, They they had some, uh, I believe they had some kids game last night. Um, But I, you know, it's hard. Look with with all the the speculation out there, and it's been there since you know the first exhibition game. How do you recruit under that, you know, under that cloud? And you you know the the rumblings are out there. Well, this guy wants to commit. If Kenny's going to be here, and I, you know, my thing is, well, if he really likes commit Kenny, he'll commit now because his commitment could help him be here.
4: True, it's a good but point.
5: That that's part of the formula. You know, for for this year in, in a tough situation, they needed to win here in the second half of the conference season in some of these games that were more, quote-unquote, winnable, uh, put some wins together, keep playing better, play the way they were, and, uh, and get a couple commitments that people are excited about, and that's the beginnings of, you know, something you can sell to people. You may still not sell out the, you know, you're not going to sell a ton of, pre-season season tickets but at least people have something they can they can look toward and I, you know the, the it's tough because Kenny has had they've had bad breaks they've had guys hurt uh, they've had you know injuries they've had guys not pan out they've had guys medically out you know maybe for a career we don't know it's just a very uh, it it's been a series of bad breaks but they also you know you, you have to perform that's just the world we live in and Sometimes it it just it's that simple, and uh, you know it's not always fair, but that's how it is.
4: Talking to WDRB's uh, Eric Crawford, and uh, you know the 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 what what are in your opinion of those. Business aspects you listed, and you listed plenty. You listed the, and it's a great point. I mean, as always, and I'm not blowing smoke up your your skirt here, but I mean, what you're right, it's always well thought out, and I often, you know, look at a situation that I think I'm pretty well versed in, and go, I didn't even really consider that part of it. You talked about that uh, when you're the anchor tenant of a taxpayer funded municipal arena, your struggles are the city's struggles, and that is true. I didn't even really thought about that. It's, In other words, the difference between if you own your own on-campus arena, well, you don't really answer to anybody. But how much of what they do puts them in a position where they have to answer to their downtown and city neighbors?
5: Well, I don't know if they have to answer to anybody, but there is a responsibility. I mean, you, you know, it's not just you. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that. You know, Louisville basketball is to blame for any downtown business business problems, but it ain't helping. Uh, you know, that's the that, all you have to do is go down and talk to the people that that run those restaurants. And we have I linked a story in there that we did where they said, you know, there's people say, "Look, that you know, every game night was a party; we were busy, and now there's nobody." It's you know, and so that that's part of it. And uh, you yeah, know, I don't I don't know that you. I do think it's a factor. I think you know it might be different if you were just insular and and it wasn't it wasn't the way it was. But this this city is so much a part that that team basketball football is as big as it is and great as it is. That basketball program is so much a part of the city's identity, and the city kind of grew up with that program and what Denny Crum did. That it just uh, it's a, it's a big effect when that program is down that's been down for a while and uh, they they need to you know maybe do everything they can to rectify the situation that's y- about all I can say it's just got to be done
4: you know it, it's funny not funny haha funny but interesting that like it registers with you in different ways. If you see Eric's post on on X, you've, you I assume you took these pictures, no one because yeah. I see you around the camera. Yeah. So you're taking pictures of the whole empty sections upstairs, and then you took a picture of this one concession stand, Metro Grill. Well, my you know my sons played hockey at uh, at Iceland, and that's as you know a lot of those booths are manned by uh, nonprofits that are doing it to raise funds for whatever it is, their travel teams, their baseball teams, their volleyball teams, their hockey teams. And that was the booth that my wife used to <laughs> work yeah. when, when they were trying to raise money for hockey. And it is that grading is pulled down. It is closed. They are not open for business. Like
5: walking, I mean, and that's not really new. That's been that way for at least a couple of years and probably some the year before. But, uh, but it is like walking through a shopping mall when it's closed. It's like, you know, there's just – yeah, it, it's a ghost town up there. And, and uh, and you know, that's not what that, that place was built for. And now, you know, look, I covered Kentucky and Ole Miss, and I took a picture of the upper deck at Rupp uh, facing me. I was sitting down on the court in the baseline, and large empty swaths up there, too, you know. So – some of the attendance problems are just what they are, and they're not, you know, unique to Louisville. But but beyond any of that, what we're seeing right now is not the Louisville basketball that we've known, you know, since we've, whoever you are, have been a part of it.
4: Texas is good article, Cliff Notes version, great guy, terrible head coach, got to get a new one ASAP. May, I will say this, and and he is... I, I, like I said, if they had a, a pageant around the world like they do, you know, for Miss America, where they put the five finalists on stage, and hit, this pageant was for the, you know, the the uh, the nicest guys <laughs> walking the planet, he would be on that podium as one of the five finalists. He is. Well, well, everybody. And,
7: and
5: I, I, you know, uh, people are people are big on that. They're like, well, he'll he'll never be able to coach for. Well, I, I don't know. I've thought that they've been better. As the season's gone on, I thought he, as a coach, looked more comfortable and had more, you know, more say uh, and a little bit better command of the team as the season's gone on. I just, you know, Louisville is not a place that can afford another couple of years, you know, for him to continue to grow grow into that. Yeah. And uh, while it it is a question of players and talent, you know, that game last night's another example of. I don't think Louisville was the was you know in a talent deficiency in that game. No, I agree. Uh, so I mean, you know, Notre Dame's players are young and probably not got the respect that, that some of them probably have coming because Notre Dame is Notre Dame. But but they weren't better than Louisville at that you know from a talent standpoint. I mean, at the very least, it was even, and uh, that's we saw what we saw.
4: Two things before I let you go. One, interesting. You wrote a tweet before that piece I just alluded to came out, and your first sentence was, at the risk of giving away the lead to my column, do most people know that when in that reference, lead is spelled L-E-D-E? I didn't even know
5: that. I don't know. Sometimes I I, I usually try not to do that when I tweet, but I did. But that, you know, they they do that so it doesn't, it's not confused with lead. I like lead, that. Letting, letting in the newspaper parlance was something altogether different. Uh, the space between lines, but I end up not making it delete anyway. I don't know if I may have put it in the column, I don't know, but. Um, it was just a reference to
4: No, because well, well, now let me, get, let me get to the rest of it. The, the rest of that tweet said, at the risk of giving away the lead to my column, have any of you ever been on one of those long mammoth cave tours and reached a landing in the descent thinking you surely reached the bottom only to have the guide tell you, all right, we're almost there? And then you wrote, surely this is the bottom. Is this the bottom for Louisville basketball? Could they not go no, any I longer?
5: Think, I think the guide might be telling us we're almost there. I, I don't know. But I, this, this loss was – and I said this is not as bad – I didn't think this was as bad a loss as DePaul. I think Notre Dame's a better team, and I think they've been playing better. And I think they're starting to figure out who they are. But uh, for what it was at home and the margin and, you know, coming when it did on the heels of, you know, what it came on, I'm not sure it's not more damaging. Uh, It may not be as bad as some of those other losses, but it's, I think, more damaging just in the way that it happened. Because they just didn't have it. They just didn't have it last night on a night when they really needed to have it.
4: Yes, I agree.
5: Uh, I, I love the movie. My kids love it. That movie, That Thing You Do. Oh, you know, yeah. The, and uh, the manager tells them before they go out and play at some big state fair, it's very important tonight you guys not suck. <laughs>
4: That's good advice. And, you know, their, their, their
5: guitar player says, I make no guarantees. And
4: I'll see those. <laughs> Forgot about that. That was a quality.
5: Played by Steve Zahn, a great UK fan.
4: Really? Oh, look at we want to look at Eric on a Thursday bringing we want to know Wednesday facts. I did not know that. Well, yeah, I, I haven't saved up, but there you go. Very nice, very impressed, very impressive indeed. All right, my brother, you take care of yourself. I will uh, see you soon. I, I can't imagine you're going to Duke next week, so I'm sure I won't see. you I later. am not going to Duke. Yeah, but I will see you uh, sometime in one of the home games. So you take care of yourself. Thanks. All right, you too. Thanks. All right, Eric Crawford, we like him very much.
0: Time for the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife UK Basketball Post Game Show on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Coverage of Wildcats basketball is also presented by Ale 81 Kentucky's original ginger soft drink since 1926. Kelly Kentucky, the employment solution expert. KellyJobs.com UPS Jobs. Apply today at UPSJobsKY.com Cox's Spirit Shop and Evergreen Liquors. Louisville's neighborhood liquor store. Genes- diamonds the official jeweler of the kentucky wildcats BJ heating and cooling call the experts you can trust bjheatcool.com sonatrol security the number one rated security company in louisville sonatrolky.com and kroger fresh for everyone now here are your hosts mike gandolfo jason Entz, and zach cantrell
8: and welcome into the UK basketball post game show presented by Kentucky Fish and Wildlife here on ESPN 680 1057. I am your host, Jason Entz, alongside Big Mike Gandolfo and our guys, Zach Currentrell, back in the studio producing the effort as Kentucky rolls Alabama, roll tide in a whole different manner, 117.95 in one of the if not the best performance of the season from the Wildcats. They go absolutely unconscious from the floor, 63% field goal shooting percentage. They go 13 of 24 from downtown. They blow the doors off of Alabama as they pull away in the first half and never look back. 502-267-9680 is the phone number we know you want to get in and share your thoughts and we have open phone lines if you want to join in the conversation through the ups jobs text line you can do so at 437-9680 as well and mike we were talking you know on text throughout the game and you, you mentioned last weekend that you were much more concerned about the LSU game than this game, and this is the kind of game where Kentucky can get out and run in transition, but Alabama is one of those teams that, that takes advantage of a lot of Kentucky's defensive weaknesses, and Alabama shot 56.7% from the floor. They got plenty of open looks. They scored 95 points, and they're never in the game because Kentucky has a shooting night that we may have never seen the likes of under John Calipari
6: yes I mean and then let's just the 16 turnovers that Kentucky force was huge on that one too but uh, also I think we are up and running as well on uh, the com- on the stream so I you know I'm 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 trying to see if we got the whole stream working out so that everybody can hear us and uh, yeah so you can inter- you know watch us on YouTube Facebook all that kind of stuff too so uh, I think we've got everything rolling uh yeah I just I don't think we're ever gonna see a performance like this again and I mean Kentucky beats anyone in the country tonight playing the way they played. And that's two games out of the last three where they will, you know, the Auburn game, I think the way they play, they compete with almost everybody. They you know tonight they beat no no question beat everybody and we got to give it up i mean can we just go ahead and get the player of the game out of the (laughs) way right now i mean no doubt about it it's a tough decision mike (laughs) (laughs) i'm listening i think i'm more excited about the fact that he got five rebounds i'm gonna be honest with you because that dude has not rebounded at all but 28 points 10 for 10 from the field two assists two steals five rebounds I'm going to say this, Jason, everyone else is bagging on Justin Edwards. And I never quite would go there I would just say, he's got to figure it out mentally. And I've got to, he's got to figure it out. He's got to figure it out. Like I could see that it was just ticking on him and it came out tonight. You know, I'm still way more uh, concerned about Bradshaw's play, which tonight was still not very good, but Justin Edwards figured it out. And I'm telling you, if we, we kind of creeped into this, right? Justin Edwards started shooting more and more threes. He started to have uh, a bigger three-point presence. And then all of a sudden, the breakout game happened. And if we're going to get this Justin Edwards the rest of the year, the ceiling changes quite a bit.
8: Yeah, and and I was talking to one of our longtime listeners on Twitter about this. You know, this has been the last month or so. You've seen some signs. There hasn't been necessarily that one big game where he's done everything, but there have been signs that he's starting to kind of figure things out. And John Calipari has always seemed to have issues with you know certain guys that come in, and if they don't get it going early. He tends to, you know, he'll do the thing of, well, I can't play him. You know, I can't can't trust him. I can't rely on him, so I can't give him minutes. And he never fully did that with Justin Edwards. And you've seen over the last month he's starting to get more and more confident every game. And I think games like this where he's able to utilize his athleticism in the full court are games where he's going to thrive. I, I still need to see him have some big performances in games where it's more of a half court affair and he's got to play within the offense and set plays and things like that. But like you said, you know, going to the glass, it was something we talked about the other night, how you, you have that kind of a body and that kind of a frame and you don't just luck your way into some rebounds. He had a rebound, in the first half that that can only be categorized as a grown-ass man rebound, fought it away from two Alabama players to the point I thought they were going to call a jump ball because it took so long, and it goes down the other end and leads to an alley-oop for Big Z. Those are the kind of plays that the entire team is able to build off of. Those are the kind of effort plays that Cal wants to see from these guys. And look, Kentucky credit. You pointed out the the turnover um, numbers. Kentucky showed in that first half some of the best defensive energy that I have seen all season. They have been... Questionable at the defensive end. They've had issues this season of not fighting through screens, of being late to get out to shooters. You didn't see any of that in the first half. You saw guys fighting over screens. You saw guys jumping passing lanes, and that defense led to numerous runouts. Um, Kentucky ended up with 18 fast break points. They were able to jump out so far in the first half that despite the fact that Alabama just kept coming at them in the second half, they were never able to pick up traction.
6: And a big part of that was when, you know, the big man and Sears both picked up two early fouls, and they played Sears a lot in the first half with two fouls, but he couldn't play the same way he would normally play, and I I think that really, and then Kentucky capitalized on that uh, to a certain degree, and then we see them come out, Kentucky's got the big lead at halftime, I'm telling you, if Reed Shepard hits that like saved at halftime. The building would have imploded. Yeah, and actually, I want to give a shout out to my friend Janelle, who had her daughter at UK. They're from Illinois. They were there at UK for a college visit this weekend. Um, if you were there for that game, and this is you're making your college decision, whether or not you're a basketball <laughs> player or not, it was her their first time going to Rupp Arena. Uh, I'm sure that it was awesome. So Janelle and Ava, I hope you had a great time. Decision,
8: decisions made. <laughs> decisions made.
6: <laughs> yeah. Um, I just you go and you say like, if Reed hits that, it's over. But you know, there was a point in the, early in that second half. Alabama, I think, cut it to fourteen, and I'm like, "Uh-oh, are we going to see a repeat of what we saw the other night? Uh, what we saw against Kansas? Are we going? Is that going to come?" And Reeves stepped up and stopped the bleeding, hit a big shot, and Kentucky then, you know, just gradually increase that lead and then you look up all of a sudden it's freaking 30 points against Alabama
8: and credit to Cal too because he called a timeout early in that run he didn't wait until it was was 10 12-0 run he managed that game as well as any game that he's managed this season in terms of when he utilized timeouts he didn't have to do it very often but he managed it very well when he did I think the other thing is that, you know, we we talked about the other night it was a two man show. Everybody was standing around watching two guys do everything. You didn't have any of that tonight. You had Wagner had a bad offensive game in terms of shooting, but he gets 4 assists. You know, he he's out there playing solid defense. Uganda only had one rebound. But he only played 15 minutes, but he was still out there defending really well off the ball. He was doing a really good job when they took his man out to the perimeter. He wasn't leaving him like he did multiple times the last game. Rob, you know... You look up and you got he's got 16 points. It didn't seem like he was really that involved in the game, but he was out there being effective at both ends of the floor. Aaron Bradshaw is the only guy, and we can talk about him more later. I just I I don't. I don't think want to be really a downer
6: good about that though. I mean, yeah, you know, and that's all we'll to... talk about it later. Yeah,
8: but you know, a his energy. He only played 16 minutes. He ended up fouling out, but his energy just gives this team a whole other level, especially how aggressively he goes to the rim. And you had new. I lost track of how many alley oops you had, how many just dunks you had over people. The team, every time that happened, the entire team was getting fired up, and they were using
6: that energy at the defensive end of the floor. Let's also just talk about those lineups in general. They made the decision tonight that if you add up Onienzo's, <clears throat> Bradshaw, and Big Z's numbers, it adds up to forty. You didn't see them playing together a whole last night. They went small. And the, uh, the reality of it is is that tonight it was Big Z's night. He's the one who led him in minutes with 20. He's the one who led him in points with 18. Onyenso only played 15 minutes. Uh, Bradshaw only played five minutes. Uh, and, so, and we still got to work on you know Rob and Onyenso and their foul tendencies to do as well. Uh, but Big Z was the man tonight that they could rely on. Now, you're exactly right, Jason, because this was not a half-court game. And I'm going to just, you know, you said you've got to wait to see them do it in the half court. I, I don't think that's a possibility at this point. We're almost in March. This Kentucky team is best when they force the tempo and they force the pace. And you've got to be willing to commit now to what winning basketball is going to look like for this team is you got to take you've got to be able to take if you get matched up with a Purdue and make them run more than they want to run.
9: Do you think it's possible think that Bryce, Alabama so was Kentucky. the best matchup for them because of the style that Alabama plays? I 100% agree
6: with that, Zach. That, that's yes.
9: a, This is a perfect matchup for them. And if you're going to play Kentucky in a full court game, an up-tempo game, you're not going to beat them. And I know we'll get to Steve in just a minute. But as you mentioned, Alabama shot 57%. They out-rebounded Kentucky. They shot 21 of 27 at the free throw line. If I told you all that before the game, we'd be talking about, oh, well, Kentucky lost another home game. No. I mean, when you shoot 64%, you make the free throw, as they did they would have beat anybody in the country on this day and this is why we continue to talk about them still even with the struggles in championship conversations as far as the final four or whatever because that's the ceiling that this team has and good call by you on uh, Wednesday Gandolfo you said you were more concerned about LSU than Alabama turned out you were dead right and we wanted them to go two and one in this stretch and it's weird how the one loss came against the worst team but I mean that's seemingly and, the norm and with Cal isn't it. It, it I'm not gonna going
6: to Go, I'm not okay. going to go be too upset about the rebounding number tonight when you shoot the way you shot. But the thing that I'm most excited about, Zach and, and Jason, is that this is really the first time that we've seen us get back to that fun passing team that we had in November and December with 24 assists. They had 10 turnovers, but a lot of those were late. They, they, that turnover number is a little misleading. A lot of it with that was really. Uh, was just later stuff. They they really took care of the basketball. That 24 assist number, right? When this team has over 20 assists and they're running up and down the floor... This is when they can be successful, yeah, and, and they've got to force that tempo.
8: And this is the kind, of, like like Jack said, this is the kind of team that Kentucky can do that against. This is not a team that's going to get physical with them. It's not a team that's going to try to bully ball them. We've seen Kentucky wilt under that pressure at times. This is a team that they were able to run up and down the floor with. It's a team that they don't have to worry about, you know, a, a huge bulking guy in the middle. This is the kind of matchup that Kentucky's going to need, I think. The the NCAA tournament is always a crapshoot. You rarely see the best team win the tournament because it is so dependent on matchups. It is so dependent on what kind of style of play you get to run in a game. And I think this team, more than any team Cal has ever had, is going to come down to success based on who they draw in the tournament. Because if you are able to get teams like in Alabama that are going to run up and down the floor with you I'll take Kentucky every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But if you get a team that is going to make you defend for 30 seconds and is going to limit you to one trip or one shot per possession, Kentucky's going to have to find a way to win those games. But if you get them out in in up and down games like this, I'm not back. I'm not ever going to not back them after this because I thought Alabama was a team that could hurt them the way they shoot the ball the way that they get up and down in transition the way that they crash the offensive glass they only got nine offensive rebounds in this game and that wasn't because they weren't in position Kentucky did a really good job of getting in solid rebounding position, but also fighting. They fought more in this game for loose balls and, and 50-50 balls than they have in any game this year, and it wasn't even close. If you can do those things, Cal's talked about it repeatedly this season, if you can do those things and limit what the other team is able to do to you just from getting extra possessions, there aren't many teams in the country that are going to beat this team. And this is why I said a couple weeks ago I thought the, that I didn't want to see any, Than a Final Four because, again, we have seen today what this team can do, and we should not expect or accept anything less than this.
6: And we're very fortunate, you know, because obviously Cal had this team very rested because he did not have the <laughs> press conference that long after LSU. Now, the other thing we're fortunate about is, like, I think he can probably take as long as he wants on this post-game press conference. He's at the podium right now. We're not going to bring it to you live. But, you but know, if we did, maybe you want to. Yeah, and if we did, it would be delivered by the Office of Kentucky Highway Safety. Kentucky Office of Highway Safety. Whether you walk, pedal, or drive, let's share the road safely. Share the road, Kentucky. I have a feeling... The press conference tonight might be a little bit longer. It already is. Than the LSU. It's already oh, going <laughs> to be
8: He's going to be the swaggiest cow we've ever seen.
6: Oh, So, yeah. Anyway, great. great. Let's hear from the callers, though. Let's go to it. Who, who do we got first there, Zach?
9: Uh, we got, got Steve first. on the line. Steve, w- welcome to the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife Post Game Show. What's on your mind? How you doing, gentlemen?
6: Pretty freaking good. I mean, that was a lot of fun. I still can't believe they didn't get the one eighteen that they get, like they get against Marshall. Come they, on, Jordan they were right Burks. there, man. Jordan
9: Burks, come on, man. <laughs> All right, little fans, you want this guy? You want this guy? <laughs> this is the
10: guy you want, right?
6: I'm really hoping the they get you Beard. Want, I hope they get beard. Who do you want now? Because I think beard's a disaster. Who's the Mississippi?
10: I've heard. I've heard.
8: Mean, I've heard. Yeah.
6: Mick is the pick. Mick is the pick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I man. Think yeah, they don't. I don't think they want, they want that guy anymore.
10: <laughs> Any, Anyway, you know, the truth is, look, we have amazing talent, and I'm not ready to settle for nothing less than Final Four this year. Because if Cal can't get to Final Four this year, he's never going to get to Final Four. He may not like me saying that. He doesn't know who I am. But if he did, I'd tell him. If he wants to call me, he can call me. Look, he's got perhaps the best talent you've ever had. Antonio Reese. I'm just going to say it, he's my favorite Cal player of all time. And we've had some amazing players. There's just something special about this guy. You know, he was an Illinois State guy. He has made himself a basketball player. I really like Antonio Reeves. Hard of gold. Seems like a good guy. By the way, nobody talks about it. And we got a jerk on this team. We got a bunch of really nice young men. We got some guys that I really, really like. Edwards, nice guy. Nice guy. Bunch of nice kids smiles on their faces i'm glad to see him happy we we got to keep moving we got to keep moving the ball uh in the half court that was the difference for me tonight if, if we can keep moving the ball around in the half court and not settling for some guy driving the basket just because he catches the ball you got to keep moving a little bit and we did it tonight and i'm just you know the potential's there. We all can see it. We all know what this team can do. Do I believe it's going to happen? I don't know. Are we going to play 12 seeds in the in the tournament or are we going to play two seeds? If we play two seeds, we might win the tournament because we get up. We're we'll the only games.
6: team in America that's not hoping for upsets. Like, don't – don't yeah, ups, yeah, we yeah. want no upsets. <laughs> hey,
10: hey, give me Duke. Give me Kansas yeah, right. again. Well,
6: give me man. Kansas
10: again. Let's play Kansas
0: again. I hope Filipowski – by the Joe's way, seriously
6: – but you mentioned Duke. I really, after what happened against that Wake Forest game, I hope I hope that dude's okay, man. That's that that shouldn't happen. I'm not. I'm I'm a guy who likes the store. You know the the storming the court. But when you see something like that happen, it's just really really bad. So man, yeah, Hopefully Phil going to be okay. Have a good night, guys. Well, we're, we're getting. To- we're getting some reaction right there on the Facebook page. We're getting Aaron Powell saying, uh, who's a UFL fan, say, don't get too excited. And then he says, uh, he's, he puts some expletives in the next one, so I'm not going to put that on the screen. He says, Cal won't <laughs> even get you out the first weekend. And Cal might not get us out of the first weekend. Aaron, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Again, I'm not going to overblow one performance and be like, you know, I'm not I'm not there with Jason or where it's final four bust. This has got to be consistency. I want to, you know, luckily, though, I think we're going to have a stretch here. Where Mississippi—it's a tough road game, right? Tennessee—we uh, still got to go to Tennessee, and those two games are going to tell us a little bit more about what this team's got. And uh, you know, they'll, they'll take two—they'll take care of the two home games, hopefully, with Arkansas and Vanderbilt. If they don't, then we're in trouble. Uh, so, the, you know, going into the SEC tournament, can they? Right now, like I—I I need them to get to Saturday and Sunday of the SEC tournament, right? I mean, we—we we haven't had that in a little bit, so. Let's just, uh, I'm, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit. I'm, Let's I'm hope there this too, doesn't but,
9: turn into the Tennessee game last year when they won by 22, but it didn't mean anything for them long term. And that was a good Tennessee team. Let's see them actually well, how about, build how, some momentum after this. The Mississippi exactly, State there was the one draft year, game.
6: Go ahead. There, were, there there's the one year that Kansas won the national title, and we beat them by 30. That's right. And, yeah. And Fog Allen. Yeah. So, I that mean, you we know. Yeah. Exa- exactly right. So this, uh, we've got to make sure that there's just some consistency there before we get too high up on the horse there
8: but it's it's not that i'm saying that they're going to go to the final 4 what i'm saying is is that when we see the talent they have and we see what they're capable of that anything less than a final 4 with this group of talent is disappointing to me and it's going to it's going to feel like you it's going to feel like an absolute letdown. I'm not saying that they will get there. I am not by any means saying that this team, based on this performance, is making the Final Four. I'm saying that that should be the absolute four. Once you get to the Final Four, and I've said this for ages, it is such a crapshoot as we've we've seen in the past. I'm not going to ever say, well, it's title or bust, but you should get to the Final Four. You should be able to navigate that first weekend without a problem, especially with the team that he has. It's I the don't first want any excuses. <laughs> the and then you get us. to the sweet 16 and then you win those two games. And those are two games where you're probably going to face a team that is more apt to playing a up-tempo style of basketball. And with the guard play that you have, and we know we we have seen it all too many times with our team, with UConn's teams, whoever, guards win titles. And we have three different guards that can go out there on any given night and absolutely take over. And there have been years where we haven't had one and it's ended
6: up killing us. And I, you know, I just know that I, if, this, if this team goes 3-1 and one the rest of the way and they don't get upset in the first round of the SEC tournament, I think they're probably a five seed. I think the two wins, the two solid wins against Alabama and Auburn, you probably put you in that five line. And as long as you don't get absolutely embarrassed against Tennessee. I think I think the way you beat Alabama could bump you up to a four, because this I wasn't you a. You probably I get to Sunday. You probably I get to Sunday in the SEC tournament.
8: Probably, before. but the, the, I think what's most impressive about this game, it, this wasn't one of those where it's, you know, punch counter punch and then you pull away late. This was a game where you led by sixteen at halftime. You pull away and you're up by thirty at one point. And look, Alabama never stopped coming this Kentucky team had to keep putting up points. Alabama scored 95 points. Like Zach said earlier, if you told me before the game Alabama scored 95, I think we lose, especially the way they shot the ball. There were still some... I'm not going to get upset about the defense because that's one of those games where you're running up and down the court. You're exhausted. You cannot put in full energy for 40 minutes. You could see towards the end, some of the guys were just... They were dead. They were gas, especially Big Z. But... They still gave up 95 points. But again, when you shoot the way that they did, there's not anybody that you're not going to beat. There's not a single team in the country that's beating Kentucky the way that they shot the basketball tonight.
9: This was the highest over-under for a college basketball game Mm -hmm. since 2019. They smashed it by 35 and a half points.
8: And it was over by seven or with seven minutes minutes to go. It was already over.
6: Uh, We're getting one guy uh, on the Facebook page. Uh, Marcus is saying uh, that Kentucky – and yeah. Alabama both need to avoid teams who are playing physical, and of course, Alabama has shown that in the past. Like they lost to Purdue, they lost to Creighton, they lost to uh, they lost to they San lost Diego Arizona. State last year. So, uh, and well, and that I wanted to say that real quick because I know we were kind of bagging on Nato's just a little bit ago. But let's the reality of it is for him to basically have to replace nine dudes, including the SEC Player of the Year, and for them to be as good and play completely different than the way they did last year. It's pretty remarkable. And so, because um, I, I, I just don't want to, like, you know, I know we're making fun of it because of the, of the whole U L thing. But his coaching job this year has been pretty remarkable from that point. Should
9: we go ahead and get to um,
6: Uh Hold on. Alabama never stopped coming. So <laughs> save that for save the next day. Save that, that for the next day, of course. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I knew as soon as I said it. <laughs> Justin, somewhere cackling. All right. Uh, go ahead. We got next Grady.
9: Yeah, we got Grady, Grady on the hey. line. Grady, welcome to the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife Post Game Show. What's on your mind, boss?
7: Hey, guys. Um, obviously a great game all around. Uh, looking at the box score, the thing I like most is seeing Reed Shepard playing the most minutes. I think he should always play the most minutes. By far the most all-around player. Led the team tonight in rebounds, assists, and steals. Uh One thing that worries me to be a little – probably the most concerning thing to me of this team is the fact that he led the team in rebounds. I think that moving forward, we I don't know where we're going to get the rebounds from, but to make the Final Four, somebody's got to rebound. Somebody besides Reed Shepard. Thanks, guys.
6: I would uh, I would just the only thing I would say that about that first off I I uh, noticed that too because like Reed really had five points until he hit that late three uh, and I'm and I was talking to my my son actually about just watch how he impacts the game and everything else he does and it's not like he's having a bad shooting you now he shot fifty percent from the floor he's two for three from the three point range but that dude can just impact the game. And whichever way the opponent's going to allow him to impact the game, if he needs to be a scorer, he'll be a scorer. If he needs to be uh, the guy who hands it off or dishes it off, that's what'll be. And uh, I can't, I can't disagree with what you said. He does need to be the guy who has the most minutes. Him and Reeves together, and that's exactly kind of what happened. Uh, Reed had 32 minutes. Reeves had 31 minutes. And when those two guys are on the floor together, you're feeling pretty good about it. Uh, I would, uh, I would say about him being the leading rebounder tonight. I would. I would probably go with that. You know, you don't see Reed going down low and mixing it up too much. So that tells me that there was just a whole lot more probably of long rebounds than what we would normally see.
8: There always is with Alabama, and that's part of the reason why they're one of the top 10 teams in the country in offensive rebound rate. They get almost 37% of their misses typically. When you take as many threes as they do, especially with them taking them early in the shot clock and a lot of times in transition, you're getting a lot of long rebounds. I mean, think about how many, how many times our guys were fighting for 50-50 balls 20 feet from the rim. They weren't fighting for, you know, those balls underneath the basket. So you're going to get a lot more rebounds on the perimeter. I'm not worried at all about the rebounding performance today. Kentucky won the the rebounds that mattered. They won the battles that were, you know, 50-50. How many of those, like I said, you go back and look at the Justin Edwards rebound. Um, You go back and look at Big Z cleaning up his own misses and getting putbacks. I'm not the least bit concerned about how they rebound today. In fact, I think their energy and their effort on the rebounding end was was the best that they've shown all year. It goes back to what they were doing defensively. They just, they had energy. And I'm curious your thoughts. My concern going into the, you know, this last stretch of the season and going into the tournament is that this team seems to be one of those that has absolutely no trouble getting up for the big games. It's when it's a game where they're expected to easily win that they just kind of, try to sleepwalk through it especially coming out of the gates really slow and, and really lethargic
6: yeah i mean i think that's exactly what we've seen i mean that's that's why i said we're the only team in america that doesn't want doesn't want an upset in the end of the tournament we want to play those big games uh and the the first round game probably scares us more than the second round game so uh yeah I, I, and that that's a maturity thing right this team's got to figure that out and hopefully they will and we could have a big long run and you know, we'll see again. If Justin Edwards gives us that kind of rebounding effort and Justin Edwards becomes a reliable score, we're not 28 points. We're not going to see that, right? But where we see 15, 12, uh, that, that changes the dynamic because unlike Reed Shepard, that guy should be rebounding, right? He's 6'8, whatever else. And if we can get the ball out and on an outlet pass to Reed and let Reed is so good at, at running the break. Um, uh, it just, it's a game changer for us. We're getting uh Benjamin Hess on the Facebook page says big rig, uh, big rigs, not on the show. No, this is, he's he really <laughs> hasn't been except for one game this entire year. Uh, Reed Shepard is the best freshman on the team. You're not going to get that same shooting night from Justin Edwards had today. Maybe, maybe not again. We, what we, I think in the last six games, he's had double digits. though. if I'm not mistaken, uh, on that one, Multiple he had 17, games, yeah. uh, against Vanderbilt, right? Um, I wonder if Cal will have a short press conference today. Yeah, we already kind of uh, talked about that one. Uh, he just got done actually, so he went way longer than he did against LSU. Uh, definitely longer than fifteen <laughs> seconds. Our coach can go longer like than fifteen that. seconds. Um, yeah, man, great, great game, great performance. One that gives you hope. Now just don't step on our hope. <laughs> that's what I'm. You know, that's what we don't want to have happen. So, um, what do you got on the text on there? Answer anything.
8: Oh, I thought you had the text line pulled. Oh, you were, No, you I'm, were I was reading, reading fe-
6: Facebook comments and YouTube uh, comments. Well, let's,
8: let's, we've got a uh, caller on the line. Let's get to him, and then we'll get to the UPS Jobs text line.
6: Okay. Who we got?
9: We got Gary on the line. Gary, welcome oh, to the wildlife post game. I know you've got some thoughts, so let's hear him, Gary.
7: I'll tell you, guys. Uh, number one, that was one of the most impressive offensive performances I've ever seen in my life, I can tell you, team. But I'll tell you what even impressed me just as much uh yeah Kentucky gave up a bunch of easy baskets late in the game but I'll tell you what they did do they flat out run Alabama off the three-point line and that was a big 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 uh reason they was able to win the game so so big uh I think Alabama on what shot 17 threes is
9: that right hello hello yeah well what was that question again
7: uh I, I said one of the biggest things that Kentucky did was run Alabama off that three-point line.
9: Yeah, they shot 17. Six for 17 from three.
7: Yeah. So, anyway, uh it's like you guys said, though. You look at this team, and they played well against North Carolina, and some of the good teams they played against. But, <laughs> it's consistency, and, and, and if they can put games together, like, you know, back-to-back, that's where that's where it's at, especially when you get the NCAA in the postseason. So, uh, yeah it was a it was a it was a good win and uh, uh, I, I I'm, I'm if they just put it together and keep it together then we'll see what happens but anyway thanks for let me on,
2: guys
9: uh, we're working on getting these guys I don't hear them right now but we'll work on getting them back here on the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife post game show uh, here on ESPN 680 1057 we, we can just delve more into the stats real quick I mean six for 17 from three Alabama shot uh, Kentucky 13 for 24 from the three-point line uh, overall for the game. Just a dominant performance from the Cats. Uh, Alabama out rebound them 29-25. And, but the big number, I think, in this game, 24 to 14 assists for Kentucky. And the turnovers, at 16 for uh, Alabama, 10 for the Cats. I mean, I, I think the big takeaway you have out of this game if you're a Kentucky fan is, look, they could play with anybody in America on any given day. This is a, a game that proves that. When you shoot the way that they did today, 50 or 54% from 3, 63% from the free from the field goal. Hold on. This is odd. Okay, so I guess I got to go reconnect it. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: get enough ESPN Louisville, subscribe to us on YouTube at ESPN Louisville for live watch-alongs, play-by-play breakdowns with the coach, behind-the-scenes action in the bullpen, and more. You're listening to the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife UK Basketball Postgame Show on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Gandolfo, Jason Entz,
6: and Zach Cantrell. All right, guys. Sorry about that. little technical difficulty there. Uh, you know, we didn't even think we were going to be on I the think, radio tonight.
8: Mike, the things you said about Trump, I swear, man, I'd never heard those before in my life. That was <laughs> that was shocking. <laughs>
6: listen i don't like either one of these dudes i don't like i don't have a choice i don't have a dog in this race as far as i'm concerned so yeah um, and, then the, and then the
8: alien conspiracy comments i mean
6: whew, yeah i hope listen, those didn't go out, the out of the people, air man. are you talking about that the illuminati <laughs> lizard people yeah you know was uh do you ever listen to dan cummins do you know who that guy is the time suck guy i do not yeah you'd, you'd enjoy that
8: well, family. welcome back to the UK Basketball okay. Post Game Show. I am Jason Snitz. That's uh, Big Mike Gandolfo. Um, we apologize there. We were we were having a good discussion and all of a sudden realized we were talking to ourselves as Zach uh, Texas had said we were we had lost connection. So um, if you want to join in the conversation and give us a call, 502-267-9680, um, UPS Jobs text line 437-9680. I believe we have Joe on the line. Joe is here. All right, Joe. Yes, thank you, gentlemen. Uh,
11: I was so happy to see uh, we could make an outside shot with Edwards and the arrow. That was uh, that was a godsend. When those when those start falling, now now that opens up that middle even more for Wagner and uh, Billingham and and Jeff. Uh, I mean, our Reese Shepard to get to that basket, and that will help. Maybe I do
6: that all uh, the time. Get,
11: yeah, get a lot more foul shots. Now, don't ask me sometime what we're doing on defense, but we held them to ninety-five. And they didn't get a hundred, so I guess it was a pretty good defensive, you know, performance by the cast. So uh, I can't explain LSU's game, uh, and I'm not even going to try. How the Hall of Fame coach cannot find a way to beat LSU, but he found a way to beat a pretty good Alabama game, our team today. So hopefully, hopefully, we're back. Thanks a lot.
6: I mean, you're right, Joe. Because this Alabama team, if you would have asked me, I, I would say that this Alabama team could be a Final Four team. So. Uh... You know, this, the LSU
8: game. Let's not forget, we were up by 15. You know, we should have won that game. You, you yeah, just completely makes, pee down that's your leg, and guys yeah. just completely stop playing. And that that goes back to again what what I what I liked seeing tonight because they could have eat my my concern, and, and I was texting with Striebel. You know, strebel had the exact question I had of, will they fold? You know, will they will they get out to the 20 point lead, and then Alabama punches them in the mouth, and they fall apart, and you pointed out, you know, they, they let him cut that lead down to 14 there in the early in the second half. And rather than, you know, kind of playing tight or, or playing nervous, they, they turned to Reeves. He got basket and they went right back to doing what they, what they had been doing. And that is progress. That's what you want to see from this team, because you can, when you get into March, teams aren't going to quit. You know, if a team gets down 20 points, they're not going to give up because they know that it's their last game they're going to give everything they have and you have to be able to keep your foot on the gas and you have to be able to step on your opponent's
6: neck when you have them down Uh, absolutely absolutely so uh i i don't even know what else there is to say about this thing man this is that was was fun story i I did but it goes back to how much fun this team can be and how much fun we were having with this team before conference play right and I'm just so glad that they were able to do that and show that it was still in them, that they still had that right there where they could go to it and that they could bring it back. And, you know, we know that this team is fun when they're passing the ball. There's a ton of assists. They're getting up and down the floor. I mean, they only had 18 fast break points. That didn't mean that the tempo wasn't leading to them, you know, feeling like it was more. Because you might have some fast break points that don't show up in the stat line where – you know, maybe the, the initial break breaks down. You run a secondary break and it leads to an early bucket, you know, whatever else. So 1.5 points per possession, 67% uh, on the scoring percentage. Uh, it, incredible performance tonight by the Cats.
8: Yeah, and, and just not missing being, layups. And, and not just not missing layups, being aggressive going to the rim. Finishing right. over people. I mean the like I said that mentioned earlier the the rebound that Justin had and then they go down and they get the alley up to Big Z. They showed the replay and you could see Justin imitating dunking on someone's head, you know, as they're coming back down the floor, because that's what they were doing. They were dunking over people. And and again, we gotta we gotta preface it with this Alabama team is not a team that's big and physical. They're not a team that's gonna give Kentucky problems on the interior but Kentucky's played teams like that before this season where they had a size and strength advantage and they didn't utilize it. This game that Big Z had the had the one play where he gets the ball inside has three guys around him, works his way up to where he can get the shot, immediately goes back up, grabs his rebound and dunks it home. I mean, that's not a play that that Kentucky makes earlier in the season. They go up, they make a, you know, a, a passive attempt to put it in and they don't follow up this team tonight was being aggressive. They look, we haven't even discussed the fact and and it shows how much this game was about play style versus stats. We haven't even discussed the fact that Kentucky took 26 free throws tonight.
6: Right. That to is line. not
8: something they typically do. But that Antonio was the Reeves getting to the line multiple times. How many and ones did they have tonight?
6: A ton, and that was where like where I thought the difference was early on in the game. Was and this, you know, they got Sears in foul trouble. They got the big guy in foul trouble because they were attacking the basket strong, and we had not seen them draw fouls like that. I don't think and, really this year.
8: And they only attempted twenty four threes. You know, a right. game at this pace, the way that this game's played, and the way that they've they've had games this year, where they've shot thirty threes. You know, if you told me before the game that they that Kentucky scored one hundred and seventeen, I would have assumed they attempted almost forty three pointers.
6: Yeah, you're not. And you're not they wrong only on that.
8: they only attempt 24, and they score 117 points. That is being aggressive. That is finishing through contact. That is not settling for long range shots just because they're there. How many times did this team up fake and put the ball on the on the floor? They attacked, and it led, like you said earlier, it led to so many of the open threes, kick out threes that we saw earlier in the season when this team was able to get out. Let the offense flow, and have the floor spread. And I think that's—I think Cal deserves credit for giving Big Z more minutes because his ability to shoot the ball from the outside did spread the floor. This was one of the more open, less congested games that we've seen without Trey out there on the floor. And, and that's something we haven't even talked about. Uh, Kyle Tucker was reporting before the game that during warmups he was barely moving his left arm. I'm, I'm not counting on him, the rest of the year. His, he would keep his arm very close to his body and was moving as little as possible. I think that injury is a lot worse than anybody yeah.
6: realized. I agree. I, I would not count on seeing him the rest of the year. Honestly, like I think that that's probably the reality of it. Um, and if they can find out find the right mix of guys, and they you know I think that's why tonight was so important to show that they could play with that with this smaller lineup. But again, if you're going to play with a smaller lineup. You better get out and run. And if we're going to play against those teams that want to, uh, you know, have the 30-second possession and whatever else, you're going to have to extend the defense. You're going to – the other thing, because you know I'm critical about this too, Kentucky did a great job of really minimizing early on especially. In the first half, I think uh, they were – well, they were four for eight. But really kind of – minimize uh, the effectiveness of, of Alabama's three-point game. You know, yes, they were 50%, but they weren't seven for 14. They were four for eight. And they did extend a little bit and make those a little bit uncomfortable. Of course, they still gave up some open looks. Okay, so it wasn't perfect. But at least to show that they were trying to take away something.
8: And they were and, fighting over screens, which is right. something we haven't seen all year from them right there was less switching in this game than i've seen all year
9: have we talked about the so, best lineup yet we've talked about rob reed reeves edwards and big z maybe that should be a lineup that gets used more going forward because it went from i i don't, I 54 don't think to you can rely
8: on that lineup against teams that are more physical that's I just, fair i don't yeah. think big z can handle i think that's where you're gonna have to have you gone out
6: there i think it's still in yenzo and I, by the way and i still mm-hmm. listen I, I hear we hear all the complaints about start start rob and especially after the the lsu game and stuff like that like i'm just telling you right now i i think if if Rob starts. He fouls. He fouls out like in you know what, like fourteen minutes. Because I, I think him coming off the bench is perfect for him. And uh, and again, just to have that change of speed and whatever else. But let's let's keep that where it is. Let's keep Reed. If they had to start one of them, I still would start Reed right now. And as long as Reed is playing the most minutes, Reeves is right there. Rob should be up there as far as the amount of minutes. So I do think those three for sure, Zach. Uh, I still think Onyenzo is still your best bet. Uh, down in the, in the post um, and then you know if it's if Justin Edwards can show that he can have that kind of performance you can you can play with that small lineup then let's do it and if not then we got to go with the arrow and you'll get whatever offense you get out of him but you're going to get at least the energy and the defense that you're going to get out of the arrow so that's the those are the six guys that if they're if they're going to make a run it's going to be those six guys did we lose each other again? No. Nope. Okay.
8: I was just letting you go. <laughs> okay. All
6: right. Well, Hold on. Let it, him go. Have, I, I there's there's
8: nothing. Else. There's nothing I can add to that. I mean, we've we we know what this team is good at, and look, the fact that we have the ability to mix and match depending on the opponent, I think says a whole lot about this team and how much depth we have, and that's a really good problem to have at the end of the day.
6: Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, let's talk real quick. Uh let's go to the UPS Jobs uh, top twenty five scoreboard since we don't have a text line up. Unless Zach Zach, can you read any text?
9: Yeah, I can read some text. Four three seven nine six eighty is the UPS Jobs text line. Uh let's get into it here. Uh text are playing up to competition. I think that's kind of been a common theme for this team throughout the year. Lose they beat North Carolina, yeah, that was the last lose one to we'll Wilmington. Read. Yeah. Uh yep. somebody said solar flare. That's what happened with the, the
3: communication.
9: <laughs> uh texter alabama six and seven on the road they won't play the tournament in tuscaloosa i mean you could say that about a whole lot of teams in college basketball this year uh texter thinking we're going to shoot 64 percent and 53 percent from three every game is a facade i don't think anybody's thinking that's going to happen that's why we talked about this being a historical but, shooting performance but
6: they have actually done that multiple times this year they've had these kind of shooting performances maybe not to this extent have they
9: all been at Right? What no. did they shoot against Vanderbilt.
6: We've had a couple on the neutral. We, like what do we do against North Carolina? You know, I mean, I think they've had some games on the on neutral floors that they have played this way. So this this team is got is you know they're capable of shooting fifty percent from three, even with volume, and they're they're capable of shooting sixty percent from the floor. They're not going to do it every game, but we will do it multiple times.
9: They yeah, have scored a hundred points in five different games this year. I mean, it's, so it's not nothing out of the ordinary. Um, let's see. Against Vanderbilt, I'm pretty sure they were pretty close to those numbers throughout the entirety of the game as well. But, of course, Vanderbilt is the worst team in the SEC. So, uh, yeah, Kentucky in that game shot 55% from the, the field, 57% from three and 12 for 12 at the free throw line. So their numbers are actually better today, except for the free throws.
8: All right, right, let's do top 25 scoreboard. And we already did player of the game, obviously. We it's did player the of numbers.
6: the game, yeah. Uh, we got going a final already we had a big one. Houston and Baylor playing today. Houston goes on the road, upsets Baylor or doesn't upset Baylor. It's probably, they're probably favorite, but you know, that's been the knock on Houston. Could they get a big win against a big opponent like that? They got 82 76 today on the road. That's a big, big win. Uh, Florida 24 fourth ranked Florida Gators who should have beat Alabama, uh, one today against Vanderbilt 77 and 64, by the way, Brad Keller Perry on the Vanderbilt staff. I don't know why I just now noticed that. Uh, Ninety one to seventy five Arizona knocks off Washington, the fourth ranked uh Arizona Wildcats. Iowa State goes uh or hosts West Virginia wins 71 to 64. Uh, Duke is upset. I know that uh, I know that just crushes everyone. That everyone's just are you gonna be okay, Jason, knowing that Duke lost today? I, I I don't know how how I'll move on. I know it's it's gonna be tough. It'll be okay. You know, crying shire. Uh, loses eighty three to seventy nine, and again the, the unfortunate incident with the court storming afterwards. It was not a Caitlin Clark flop, uh, Philip. Howski. No,
8: but you know what? If you watch the replay, he tried to trip a fan. Did he? Yeah, he that's stuck his okay. leg out and tried to trip a fan, and that's what caused his injury. So look, the Pearl Clutchers can can whine and cry all they want, but the fact of the matter is, he initiated the contact, and when you play stupid games, you
6: win stupid prizes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Mark what's what's the
8: phrase? What's the phrase? F around and find out? Yeah, well, yes. He yeah. found
6: out. <laughs> Philipowski around and found out. Exactly. Uh, there you go. Kansas State upsets the Mark Pope's BYU, who's had a stretch, a little tough stretch lately. Uh, 84-74, Kansas State gets that one. Um, Illinois holds off Iowa eight, 95-85. The 20th ranked South Carolina uh, Gamecocks Take down Ole Miss in Ole Miss, seventy-two fifty-nine. Ole Miss has that great start and will miss the tournament. Um, do you think they're going to make the tournament? It depends on what they do in the SEC tournament. I mean, they've got to be over five hundred conference play, though, right? They're six and eight right now in conference play. But they've—it's—it's. Uh, it's, we've seen teams with with negative conference records get in.
8: But if they can if they can win some games down the stretch and have a good run in the tournament, they've got enough good wins on their resume that I think they can still get in.
6: And what was the anti-Kentucky-Alabama game? Uh, North Carolina beats Virginia fifty-four to forty-four. So literally, Alabama, who lost by twenty-something points to Kentucky, scored more points—almost more points. I'm sorry, just th- uh, three points less uh, than North Carolina, Virginia did. Fifty-four to forty-four. There you go. Uh, U- UCF with another upset win on the uh, hosting Texas Tech. Uh, they win seventy-five to sixty-one. And then uh, do you have these up, too? So you want to do the ones that are in, in progress? I do, i have them up. No. Okay, I'll, then I'll, <laughs> I'll finish it up. They're uh, brought to you by the What to Watch, brought to you by Cox's Liquors. Cox's Nevergreen Liquors, your go-to liquor store. This is what's in progress right now. Kansas and Texas are going at it. Kansas is up 47 to 31. Auburn is taking care of Georgia right now, 53 to 43. Uh, and then later tonight, we're going to get a matchup with Villanova going to UConn. Texas A&M going to Tennessee Washington State uh, going to Arizona State Colorado State going to UNLV so we got a lot of top 25 teams going on the road chances are we're going to see one of them fall right Uh, San Diego uh, it will go to number 18 St. Mary's San Diego State will go on the road number 19 San Diego State will go on the road and play Fresno State so we'll have to see who survives road conference games uh as far as that goes and then tomorrow we're going to get a matchup where number 15 creighton goes to play rick patino in st john's number three purdue goes on the road to play michigan and xavier will go to play number seven marquette so that's what you got to look forward to the rest of the weekend all right zach are you still there i mean i really don't even know if we're on there I,
9: I sure am much. yeah we're, we're good yeah we've been on for a little bit we don't know how
6: much of the show is on the air enough (laughs) you know and if
8: you missed and if you missed the show you can catch the podcast later or you can tune in tomorrow and part of it will be played during the sunday morning hangover since our guy phil baker is uh taking care of his brand new baby girl chloe
6: congratulations by the way phil you know and and thank you phil because I had to I had to reach out to Phil to get some help uh today and I, I hated bothering him knowing what he's got going on, but uh Phil was a good help there and, and uh now we go on to the next one. Twenty seventh at Mississippi State and what I think is another trap game. Uh Tulu Smith is no joke. And uh that's a big, big body and they're gonna be physical with that. So uh I think a huge road game for Kentucky to Get this big win and then respond and show that it's not a fluke. <laughs> that's that's really what we need to see. We got to have we need to have a little win streak right here, right? So uh, I I really would like to go the next uh, what three going into Tennessee have a four game winning streak to go into Tennessee and then let's see what happens. Um, what say you there, Jason? Ince?
8: Yeah, we've got to close out the season strong. I mean, you cannot follow up a performance like this and go out and lay another egg. And I think I think they will learn, hopefully they will learn from that LSU performance. Um, we, we kinda saw a similar thing with the old Miss game, you know, where they where we were worried about will they come out and be lethargic and slow and kind of waste that opportunity. I don't think we'll see that again. I think they they will learn from what happened with LSU. Again, we've got to remember they were up by fifteen. You just you gotta continue to find ways to stay aggressive, and they did that today. So that is that is a really good sign to see. This team has shown that they can win games, you know, on the road. They've shown they can win games where the other team has strengths to take care of their weaknesses. You still have an outside, very slim chance to win the conference. It's probably not going to happen. But you keep going for a two or three seed in the SEC tournament. Get yourself in as favorable a position as possible to make a deep run in the tournament. And who knows what happens there. If you're able to win the SEC tournament, now you're looking at possibly a four or three seed in the NCAA tournament. So, Let things fall where they will, where they may. You've just got to continue to go out and show the energy. If they show the energy that they show defensively today, there's not anybody that they can't
6: beat. And 100%. I think the thing that concerns me is Mississippi State is the one team that we have left on the schedule. It's at home. It's at Mississippi State. They need that win. They're the one team that their tournament future is not clearly defined. We know that Vanderbilt and Arkansas are not making the tournament. We know that Tennessee is making the tournament. Mississippi State's fighting for a spot. And they got some older guys. They got some height. They got size. They got their physical. That's not an easy place to travel to. That's probably the biggest concern that I just have as far as like this being a trap game. Now, the nice thing is that we're not going to be playing at 9 o'clock at night. So, Tuesday night, tune in, 9 o'clock. We'll be there. We'll be ready to go. Thanks for listening. And go Cats.
0: You're listening to Kentuckiana's ESPN 680, WHBE Newburgh, and 105.7 WHBE-FM Eminence, Frankfurt.